Well, good afternoon, third service, the most well-rested service. <laughs> Get to sleep in a little bit. If you have a three-day weekend, say yes. yes. Awesome. My name is Red Seville. I'm the director of New Life CDC. And also in this season, I'm overseeing missional neighborhood groups. Uh, we're in a series, Walk This Way. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers could get you one. Raise your hand. We, have, um, we actually have um, a sweet treat for you today. So after each service, New Life CDC is giving out vanilla ice cream and also cherry ices if you're lactose intolerant as a way of saying thank you. Uh, we're continuing the celebration of 25 years of New Life CDC. There was a gala this past May, but the party doesn't end. And the summer is not over. Or at least we're in denial. <laughs> so it's in the yellow room. You're going to need um, a, a slip uh, as the ticket for your ice cream. It's in the bulletin, or some of the volunteers downstairs can have one for you. One per person. Okay, so that others can enjoy. And so again, the volunteers have that insert if you don't have it in the bulletin. We're in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. The title of the talk is Self-Control, Freedom, and the War Within Us. Self-Control, Freedom, and the War Within Us. And this is the title because in each of us, there's this conflict that rages. Paul the Apostle calls it the war between the flesh and the spirit. And I don't know if you can identify that with that. The spirit wants to do something good, uh, but sometimes the flesh has other plans. And so if you've ever felt this battle, it's like this inner civil war. And it's like there are two forces that battle within one Avenger organization. For you Avengers fans. But then in our case, it's two forces within one person at war with each other. And in my own life, I see this conflict in several areas. Uh, in the area of family and work, uh, there's this one side that just tends toward workaholism. And then there's this other side that really wants to be present with my wife and with my kids. And then in, there's the area of money where there's one side where I want to keep as much for myself or for my family. And then there's this other side that simply wants to give freely. And then in the area of sexuality, I wonder if I'll be plagued forever by habitual sin. Or will I experience the fullness of freedom that Christ has? And I have friends who battle with excessive shopping or, or binging on entertainment or overeating. Probably doesn't help that we're serving ice cream today. But this conflict has been around since the beginning, hasn't it? Even with Adam and Eve in the garden, where they wonder, do we follow God or do we not? And even if a person doesn't believe in God, Paul the Apostle in Romans 2, even if you don't believe in God, it's your conscience that's actually at play with this. And even somebody like Homer knows this. And I might show a cartoon image here, but the conflict between the flesh and the spirit is real because one side wants to enslave you while the other side offers this freedom. And so that conflict is real. 
And here's just some questions for us this morning. Is there a cure to these acts of the flesh? What role does self-control play? Or can we be fully free? Can we be free? And if you don't mind, I'd just like to skip to the good news. It is possible for you and I to experience the fullness of freedom that Jesus Christ has for us. It is possible. In Galatians 5, uh, Paul unpacks that. And so uh, let me pray for us and then we'll read. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Holy Spirit of God, come. Work in our hearts. Let us experience the promises that you have made when it comes to freedom. Our dear Savior, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Actually, I'll start in Galatians 4. Um, just touch on verse 8 and 9, and then we'll go down to chapter 5. Uh, you can turn to your devices if you like, or it's going to be on the screen. So chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who were by nature are not gods. So slaves to the flesh being part of that. Uh, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Five, chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Continuing on, 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. He writes, they are in conflict with each other. Welcome to that civil war. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Debauchery is simply indulging in this sensual or sexual pleasure. Uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. This is a rough list, right? Yes. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then starting in verse 22 there, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Amen. And so just as a way of guiding our time, I'll answer three questions as a way of unpacking this. What is the conflict in us, which we started? Uh, what is the cure? And then what's the power behind that cure? And then lastly, how does it take effect in us? How did this cure and the power behind a cure take effect in us? And so starting with verses 19 to 21, Paul describes the activity that's on one side of this war, and like you notice, it's ugly. Live like this, Paul says, and you will not see God. 
Someone say, ouch. That's intense. It's intense. And here's what's sobering about this. You would think that maybe Paul was talking to sinners outside the church when he listed this. But actually, he was talking to church people. He was talking to the church of Galatia. And why was he talking to church people? Because though church people are meant to be free, it's quite easy for us to be shackled by old ways. And so this list, uh, for me, serves as a mirror. And so here are some questions for us, just as a way of evaluating, allow the Spirit of God to shine a light on our hearts this afternoon. Are we, you or I, are, are, are we in sexual immorality? Maybe sleeping around either physically or mentally? Have idols formed in our hearts that have replaced God? Idols of money, success, control, perfection, reputation, or comfort? Are we in witchcraft, which includes the occult or palm reading, tarot cards, botanicas? Do you notice habitual patterns of hatred, jealousy, rage? Or in the workplace, do you see in yourself uh, this selfish ambition to the point where it's actually bringing division in the workplace? Do you notice or do we notice alcoholic or workaholic tendencies turning to a substance for meaning? or comfort. And personally, like I said, I see myself in these verses. In fact, it was four years ago from this pulpit, uh, four years ago that I shared just my own personal journey with porn and sex addiction and uh, how God powerfully uh, set, set me free. And so if you know, if you know someone going through that struggle, um, someone, that, that sermon might actually be helpful. And just like uh, many, uh, if not all the sermons, they still live on the New Life Fellowship YouTube channel. Um, so if you just uh, go to YouTube and you do a search with my name and Freedom Sermon, um, it'll come up. And I just bring that up because I'm not going to be able to have time just to go into the whole backstory. Uh, but going back to these verses, one thing I realize is that these acts of the flesh, they're like hiking trails. It's like a, uh, it's like a pathway. And, you know, like one of these things that you've seen, just you keep on walking and it wears out this, this trail. And like a, like a hiking trail, I call these acts of the flesh like a sin trail. And the more often you walk in this trail, the more familiar it becomes and the easier it is to walk along this trail, even when you don't want to. And very often there's a trigger or triggers that set you off on this trail. Uh, a trigger could be a feeling uh, an emotion. Um, sometimes it can be a scent. It could be the sight of an object, uh, a person, the sight of an, of an image. And for me, the trigger was, um, it was stress. It was disappointment. Other triggers were just seeing magazine covers on a subway platform newsstand or uh, boredom. Social media or browsing online, it would lead to porn and masturbation or using people uh, to simply get that high, that feeling of treasure or of pleasure. And I didn't know it, but I would walk that sin trail so many times that behavior got etched in my brain to a point where that sin trail actually became a trench, like this deep trench 
that I would walk back and forth on to a point where it was very, very difficult to get out. Uh, Paul, the writer of Galatians, would have called me a slave to sin. And I imagine some of you might have triggers as well, triggers that lead to self-destructive behavior. It doesn't have to be uh, sexual behavior. There are triggers. It could be a hurt that leads to overeating or maybe a sight of an object that leads to over-shopping that's excessive or another emotion that leads to any type of binging or overworking. And for me, the worst trigger was uh, being home alone. Uh, I was married at that point. I had kids, and my, my wife would, would leave, and I would be home alone. Uh, and I would walk down the trail of just viewing porn, uh, sometimes with my daughter being home. Uh, very shameful. And the question is, how do we can't control these triggers many times. But... The question is, how do we make sure we don't go down this path the next time a trigger comes? Another way of asking this again is, uh, can I be fully free? And so this is where the talk about self-control comes in. Paul contrasts the acts of the flesh uh, with the fruit of the spirit. And he actually um, calls it there in verse 22 and 23 as part of the fruit of the Spirit with self-control highlighted. And so is Paul saying that self-control is the cure to these acts of the flesh? Is he saying that? The answer is absolutely not. It is not. Self-control is a fruit meaning it is the result, just like the fruit is a result. Self-control is the fruit of the cure or the fruit of having been cured. And this, this needs to be said because it's important to recognize that self-control is not the ultimate cure. Otherwise, many of us will believe that it is, and we will default to that kind of advice. I'll give you an example. You know a friend gambles all the time, loses money or a friend who uses their mobile phone to check out porn. You find out about it. What's the default reaction, advice? Stop it. Get your act together. Clean yourself up. In other words, where's your self-control? Practice that. But we know it just doesn't work. You know, self, self, it might work in the short run, maybe one or few Uh, battles, uh, but it does not lead to a life of freedom. And even in our culture, we recognize that self-control doesn't work. You ever ever, um, um, watch some of these alcohol commercials, uh, and then at the end of it, they'll say, uh, it's in fine print, drink responsibly or enjoy responsibly. In other words, practice self-control after that ad. And there's actually a trend that's taking place across the nation. I read this on USA Today. Uh, They're called boozeless bars. Um, And why are bar owners taking out the booze? Because even with the warnings, there could be up to 88,000 deaths from drinking. Even bar owners know that self-control isn't working. 
And here's, here's a reason why Paul doesn't call self-control as the cure, but rather as the fruit. He doesn't call self-control as the cure because if self-control is the cure, then Jesus wasted his time on the cross being my savior. Amen. I could just save myself if self-control was the cure. Sorry, Jesus. Uh, I think you wasted your time on the cross. You didn't have to go through that torture. I can actually manage my own behavior. Um, but we know that's just not the case. And you, you know who knows this? The 12-step recovery groups. Fantastic communities. You know what step one is out of the 12 steps? It's a recognition that my life has become unmanageable. It's a recognition that my attempts at self-control don't work. And so what then is the cure? The cure Paul talks about in Romans 5 is found in, chap- in verse 16. And it's actually what our sermon series is named after. So I say, Paul writes, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So that means the walk of the Spirit counteracts the works of the flesh. But if I were to be honest, that's a little vague, right? Walk by the Spirit, like what is that? So he's actually more specific in verse 13, a few verses before that. In verse 13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, in other words, he's saying, Instead of gratifying the desires of the flesh, walk by the Spirit. In verse 13, he's more specific, and he says, rather, serve one another humbly in love. In other words, so the antidote or the cure is service. That's so interesting that Paul writes that. So Paul calls the walk of the Spirit this humble service to one another in love. And it makes so much sense if you, if you think about it because you know what Paul is saying? He say, he's saying, what do you, how do you stop walking down a sin trail? You walk a new one. You walk a new one. Walking a new sin trail, rather walking a new trail is service. And just a simple um, definition of what that might, that might, what that might be, uh, it's any outward-facing act, this is paid or unpaid, done in humility and love for the benefit or the honor of another. That's what service is. It could be toward Christ. It could be toward one another. And hopefully it's also toward those that you may have hurt as you yourself have walked down sin trails. That's what service is. Here's a fun example of um, a new trail of service to Jesus that, um, that's for my friend. So a, a friend of mine, every, um, every 6.30 he wakes up in the morning. It was something new that he wanted to be able to try out. Every morning, uh, 6.30 in the morning, he will um, put on his French press coffee, he says, crack open his Bible, uh, and then start reading, meditating, and praying. And he's done that enough times that whenever he smells coffee, you know what he does? He looks for his Bible. He's created this new trail. 
And it's this kind of Pavlovian trigger of the smell and the scent of coffee that sets him off on this new trail. And so it's, it's like this, right? So being trapped in the sin trail is like being trapped in this really bad boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. You ever been in that? You break up, you come back together, you break up, you come back together. Some of you guys are smiling because you know, you, you've been there. I've been there. I got to stop thinking about her. I just got to stop thinking about her. What needs to happen, what gets you out of a bad relationship is not self-control. It's a better one. What gets you out of a bad relationship is a better one. And finding the better relationship is like creating a new trail. And so if the acts of the flesh represent bad relationships, service is like this new trail. Let me just take this tangent for a moment, um, just about that illustration of relationships, just as a way of um, highlighting how unique the Christian faith is. So um, Eastern philosophy will say, the problem is your desire for these relationships. Get rid of all desires. Desires are your problem. And then Western philosophy, um, Westerners, like um, maybe some of us in this room, we will preach, listen, fulfill all the desires that you have. Have any relationship that you want. No one can tell you what to do or what not to do. And then religion says, resist your desires. Practice self-control. Jesus says, I am your real desire. Only in me. I am your new relationship. It says, serve me. And that's, a, that's such a great segue into the power behind the cure. So we talked about the cure, how it's service, verse 13 and verse 16. But then what is it that powers this service? So that it's just not another form of self-control. What powers this service? In verse 24, uh, bottom of the screen there, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The power behind the service is is the belonging to Christ Jesus. So in verse 13, it talks about um, service, humbly loving one another. Verse 16, Paul calls it the walk of the Spirit. Verse 24 shows what powers this service and it's belonging to Christ. So then how are we made free? Or, or what then is the cure to the acts of the flesh? It is from verse 24 and the verses behind it, before it, it is service powered by your Redeemer. Service powered by your Redeemer. So being redeemed, um, just a moment to unpack that. Being redeemed is like being bought. There's an, an exchange of ownership. Being redeemed, being bought by Christ, belonging to Christ is the power that crucifies the acts of the flesh and it fuels any service. Belonging to Christ is the trigger for new trails. And Matthew 13 
We'll just skip there for a moment. Matthew 13, starting in verse 44, going through 46, is a fantastic set of verses that talk about belonging to Christ Jesus. And so you can turn there in your device or in the Bible. Um, it's also up here on the screen, Matthew 13. Um, we'll go here for a moment and then jump back to Galatians. In verse 44, uh, it starts, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. 45. Uh, again, the uh, kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found that one pearl of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had, and he bought it. So in these two verses, 44 and 45, there, um, there are two parties for each of them, right? So in 44, there is the man and the treasure. And then in verse 45, there is the merchant and the pearl. And verse 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And so if Jesus, who is the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven, is that treasure, then finding Jesus, entering into a relationship with him, is finding a treasure of such great value you leave everything behind. It's like you crucify everything else for this one treasure. You sacrifice all things for this treasure of Christ Jesus so that you're able to say, Jesus is mine and I belong to him. And so do you value Christ in this way? Do you value Christ as your treasure to a point where you leave everything else? Some of you, you're like, yes. Some of us, we say, I'm not so sure, if I were to be honest. And if you're that person who says, I, I'm not sure if I value Christ in that way. Verse 45, the next verse, has good news for you that will turn every heart toward Christ. Verse 45 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. So now you would think that if Jesus is the treasure in verse 44, then surely he must be the pearl in verse 45. But that's not what it says. If you read verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is not the pearl. It says in verse 45, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who gave up everything for the pearl. And so if Jesus is the merchant, what is the pearl? You are that pearl. You are that pearl. You are that pearl the object of significantly great value is you. You were worth the sacrifice of Jesus. So read that again, right? Verse 45, if the kingdom of heaven embodied by Jesus Christ is the merchant who gave up all for the pearl, if Jesus is the merchant, then you are the pearl. Someone say amen. amen. This is good news. This is good news. 
many times better than just good advice. Many of you, you're, you're caught in these sin trails. Um, you engage in activities that are harmful to yourself, and you're going to hear a lot of good advice. You will, especially with those who care uh, around you. Go to counseling. Go to a 12-step group. Attend church more faithfully. Go to see a therapist. Go to a doctor. Receive prayer. Perform service. You're going to receive great advice, which could be very helpful, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something very special about the Christian faith and our relationship with Christ that is more than just good advice for you. It's the good news of the work of Jesus Christ for you. And what's that good news? It's the good news that despite the filth of centrails that you're in, just like the filth that might surround a pearl, despite the filth that you are in, despite the words that might be, the negative words that might be heaped on you by those around you, if you're an immigrant or come from an immigrant family, despite the words from, from media that might say that you're not wanted here, despite all, all the filth, all these layers of, of negativity and all the false words that might be placed on you, despite all the filth around you, Jesus saw value in you so great, he laid down his life as a payment so that he can have ownership of that pearl, which is you. At the cross is where Jesus emptied his pockets so that he could say, you belong to me. You don't belong to the sin that enslaves You belong to the Son of God who redeems. You belong to me. All these pearls are mine right here, Jesus says. Pearls in the balcony, pearls right here in front of me, all mine. I paid for them all. Someone might say, Jesus, if you paid for them all, where's your receipt? You know what Jesus says? The cross is my receipt. The cross is my receipt. For all the universe to see. Paid. Ownership switched. You don't belong to the sin that enslaves. You belong to the Son of God who redeems. You've been redeemed. Praise God. No wonder verse 24 reads... Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. You can only fully see Jesus Christ as your treasure when you believe that he is the merchant and you are the pearl. How can you not? How can you not? You know, if there's one person you should talk to about this revelation, it's my wife. It was, I think it was like 2013. This hit her so powerfully, she felt like something entered her when it hit her. It was the Spirit of God filling her. And by God's grace, as he fills one, he fills the other. (laughs) Simply because, oh my gosh. I thought Jesus was the pearl, and I had to work for that pearl. 
You are that pearl. That's good news. No advice yet in that. That's simply good news. And so just going back to this outline, um, what is the conflict in us? We talked about that. The cure and the power behind the cure. Service powered by the Redeemer. Um, And so now just as next steps, how does this take effect in us? The first one, um, simply believe and, and serve. What do you do with good news? You believe it. You believe it. And when you believe this good news that Jesus is the merchant, you're the pearl, that you belong to him, there is a status change that takes place. There is a switch in your status in the spiritual realm. He changes you from one owned by sin to a child of God belonging to his Savior, Redeemer, and that's what Galatians 4, 6 talks about. So next steps, believe and serve. Galatians 4, 6, God sent the spirit of his son as a way of affirming this status change in you. As a way of confirming that status change, he sends the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, and then check out verse 7, so that you are no longer slaves, but you are God's child. Amen. That's what happens when you believe. You are free. You're a child of God. You're forgiven. Confirmed by the Spirit. And then you serve. When you believe that Christ did this for you, you're compelled to, serve. You're compelled to serve. And serving, service to Christ and to one another, it's not just this trail that you create for yourself. It's actually uh, something, an activity that fosters connection, that builds community so that you can experience with each other this belonging to Christ as we belong to one another. And this serving that builds this connection of community, serving could be uh, within the church here or the church that you attend. It could be the serving by listening or supporting one another, serving within a 12-step group or a church small group, serving within a missional neighborhood group where you're taught to be able to share this good news about the work of Jesus Christ. These build community and a sense of belonging, which is critical for us when, we, when we're battling in this civil war in us. There's this, um, speaking about the importance of, of belonging, there was this University of Pennsylvania study um, that studied why, um, why addicts, uh, drug addicts, alcohol addicts, why, why they relapse. Why do they go back to old ways? And so when they did this research, Uh, they listed the top reasons why. The top bullet point for relapse, going back to old ways from these addicts, the top bullet point, it wasn't a lack of self-control. The top reason was this lack of deep relationships. That's fascinating, isn't it? But you know what they were saying? It's the lack of belonging They were in isolation, and they relapsed. It's the lack of belonging. And for us, it's this belonging to Christ and to one another through service that is cured, that is the cure, that is powered by our Redeemer. And so that's why service builds this community of belonging. And there's one one more thing about service. Do you remember what Jesus said about, about service? How he said, I did not come 
This is the king of heaven talking, right? I did not come to be served, but to serve. I did not come to be served, but to serve. And so when we serve, there's a Jesus who serves who is at work in us, empowering us, manifesting who he is through us. You know, there was one time where I thought that a worship service was called a service because we're doing service unto God. We worship, we praise, we speak his praises, which is true. But the other part of that is also true. The reason why it's called a service is because Jesus is still serving us. My goodness. That time when you're worshiping and you weep and something is happening inside of you, that's the work of the servant Jesus doing his work. The word is preached and something is stirring inside of you. You know there's a change. That's still Jesus serving you. You you recognize that you are compelled to serve because the Jesus who serves is still at work in us. And it's hard to believe because he is royalty and he he is the king of heaven and yet he is still serving me. He is the same. This empowers us to abandon any sin, any sin trail because I belong to another. You believe that, you are compelled to serve. And then just the second part there on the bottom, pray, you pray and meditate. And this moves us into communion this this afternoon. And so I'll have the worship team uh, come up. Um, And actually, if you don't mind, just standing for this last part. As we get ready for communion and those who are ready to give out the bread. So the death and resurrection of Christ and the fullness of what happened in the cross is not meant to be uh, just recognized when you were saved. You know, some of, some of you guys, you've been walking with Christ for decades, and the work of Jesus Christ is not just something that you heard once and then you move on. No, this is, this is something that you, that you pray through and that you meditate on every day, every day day, every day, when I find myself striving, working, uh, going down these sin uh, trails, I'm experiencing these triggers all, all around me, I go back to Jesus. I'm his pearl. I belong to you. You paid for everything at the cross. Jesus, hold me. Embrace me. I go back to this every day by his grace. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, man. This, this, um, this, this study, the, the, the same one that I referenced earlier, it, uh, it did a study as well on brain research. It did a study on brain research because he wanted to study the, the normal brain and the addict brain. And what they found was, and some of you know this, when a person takes heroin, there's a release of these neurotransmitters, there's chemical brain chemicals that are released that produce pleasure and it produces this high. Well, one thing that they found was that there is another activity that actually produces chemicals that now bring balance to the brain of the addict. And that activity 
is prayer and meditation. This is not a Christian study. But and yet there's this part of science that's affirming something that we've been doing for centuries. Prayer and meditation. And so uh, in that vein, would you put up the prayer um, of confession as we prepare our hearts um, for communion? And so just, um, you can be quiet as I pray this, um, and I'll pray it, I'll pray it slow, just as a way of embracing the work of Christ. And so I'll just pray this on my own, and you can listen and sit and stand in his presence. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you through our own faults. We recognize that, Lord, in our thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done, what we have left undone. And for the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, would you forgive us now? Forgive us, Lord, for walking these sin trails and grant that by your grace we might serve you, that we might walk in these new trails, worshiping you, serving one another, powered by your redemptive work on the cross, in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. And so would you go ahead, follow the instructions of the ushers, and then when you grab the bread and dip in the cup, would you hold on to it so that we can partake together? Hold on to it as you make your way back to your seat. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is
Amen. Let's sing that together. Sing it together. Every chain is broken through you, Jesus. Sing every chain is broken. Yes, Lord. Every chain is broken through you, Jesus. Every chain, every chain. Every chain is broken through you, Jesus. Every chain. Every chain is broken through you, Jesus. Break chains here today, Lord. Every chain. Even now, God, break chains now, Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Every chain. Every chain is broken. Chains be broken now. In the name of Jesus. Where the Spirit of, where the Spirit of the Lord is there. Ah, so good. The work of the cross. So good. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and then he broke it. And he gave thanks. And then he said, this is my body broken in payment for you. And then he took the cup in the same way and he said, this is the cup of the new and everlasting covenant this new promise that you are mine, I will dwell in you. I will be my, your God and you will be my people. He said, do this in memory of me. Let's partake together. Amen. We receive you, Lord. We receive you, Lord. Earlier, I mentioned that a trigger was just being home alone. Could I tell you that um, ever since the, this revelation of me being the pearl, uh, it hit me and my wife so hard that, you know, we were compelled to serve. We connected with others in that way. And can I tell you that now I sit home alone? And I, I am amazed. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I no longer walk these sin trails. I'm amazed because, and some of you might identify with this, there was a point I could not even fathom. I couldn't even fathom a day when I would be fully free. I couldn't. I was so stuck in it. And some of you guys, you might, you might be in it, and you can't even fathom a day of freedom. And I'm here to tell you, it is possible. It is yours. It is, it is yours. I'm, I'm amazed now at the self-control that I see. Not because it's the cure, but it's the fruit of the cure. The cure of Jesus. And so um, the prayer teams can come up so they could pray for you as well. If you're, you know, if, if you haven't experienced the, the, these greater levels of freedom, receive prayer today. Receive prayer today. Don't, don't rush out. So what if there's ice cream? It can wait. Listen, freedom, man. 
is better. Okay? And then some of you, you might, you might recognize that, um, you know, I've never believed that, uh, that I'm the pearl. Like, I've never believed that. And so maybe you're visiting, or maybe it's the first time you really recognize Christ as Savior, Redeemer. And so if that's you and it's the first time you've, you're ready to believe that, you're ready to receive that, I want to ask you to do something courageous. And just raise your hand so that I could pray for you. You could pray unto him. If you've never done that, you've never received. Amen. Amen. And so if that's you, uh, afterwards, would you receive prayer? And I want to pray for you now as I pray for everybody else in this room. And so would you hold your hands this way, palms facing up in a posture of receiving. And so for those of you that raise your hands, we're praying together. Lord, I receive you. I believe. I believe, Lord God, that you are my Savior, my Lord, my Redeemer. I recognize that I've walked these sin trails, but forgive me. Receive his forgiveness now. Please receive prayer again afterwards or speak to me downstairs in the lobby. And so my brothers and sisters, may God bless you. May God keep you and may he cause his face to be May he cause his face to shine upon you and may he be gracious unto you. And may he fill you with his spirit that you may go in the power and in the anointing of his love, his freedom, his strength, even today. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you, everyone.